Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Church family, if we believe it, thanks mama, thanks mama. Come on church family, we believe it in this place. Come on, we have to make room for the Spirit of God to move in our heart. We have to make room for the Spirit of God to move in our life. We have to make room for the Spirit of God to move in our families. Somebody say, make room, make room, make room. We gotta make room, champion. Come on, baby. Come on, make room. Come on, praise God, praise God. Well, God bless. Good morning, y'all. How's everybody doing? Yes, God. Yes, God. I realized the last time I was here, I was so hype announcing uh, that I'm going to be a new father, which, by the way, my wifey, yes, Lord. Which, actually, right now, by the way, my wife was like, you know, the whole first service, your daughter kept kicking my bladder. I got to pee. I'm, I'm going to say in the back. So she in the back right now. But hey, really quick, uh, um, as y'all know, my name is Al Williams. I have the privilege of uh, being the downtown and Coral Gables campus pastor. Bless Lord. But in fact, right now, I got to give a shout out to John and Nancy Dizzler at our Coral Gables campus. These are some faithful small group leaders. We're going to be talking about them, man. We love them. Run over there. Give them a hug. We love y'all. We love them. I'm off the hook, man. They're heading to Georgia. And so anyways, but uh, God bless. Okay. Yes, Lord Jesus. Well, listen, if you guys have been tracking with us, you know that we're in a series that we have entitled, uh, some consider the greatest chapter in the Bible. And we're going through Romans chapter 8 today. Romans chapter 8. Before we get into the verse, I, I do have to make this disclaimer. If you guys remember uh, our, our previous senior pastor, before Pastor Omar, Pastor Rick, he used to always say, today is going to come off more like teaching than preaching. Today is going to come off more like a punch to your face. Yeah, God bless. You'll be all right. You'll be okay. Yes, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this thing, you just going to come out of here like, I don't like that dude, bro. What happened? You'll be fine. You'll be fine in Jesus' name. Well, hey, listen, our life-giving passages today is going to be coming from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. And I'll say this even when I'm like a 60, 80, 100. Uh, the student guy in me has not died. There is always participation involved in the reading of the word of God. And so what you guys see bold right there, I want you to shout that word out nice and clear and in unity. Amen. All right. All right. So here we are. We are in Romans chapter eight and we're starting in verse 12. Y'all better be shouting over there. Coral Gables, John, Nancy, God bless. I'm playing. So here we are. He says, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. oh i like it here 1045 let's go not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i like where we're headed here okay for if you live according to the flesh. i here's the tough part you will i but now here's the part here good news here 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Come on, you better rejoice in that. Give God a shout of praise. But in other words, what this passage is saying, to steal a phrase from John Owen, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. But I want to title this message today as a question to all of us, and it's this, it's plain and simple, is are you killing it? Are you killing it? Across all of our campuses right now, just turn to the person next to you and ask, are you killing it? Turn to the person on the other side, are you killing it? I can see in some of the spouses right now, you're like, no, you're not this morning, you was acting crazy. You got to start, right? Well, hey, listen, we're going to need God's help to obey and live out this text, amen? Let's go to him in a word of prayer. Lord, we're so thankful for your word and the clarity in your word. God, help us to never, ever take it lightly that we get to freely open up your book and understand what you have written to us. Father, right now in particular, I'm asking for every person who is sitting across in their seats in all of our campuses right now, or if they're in their job at work, or if they're in the car, the person who is in the battle, the fight, the struggle with their flesh, and they feel like they're losing. Father, I ask today that you would empower them and encourage them by the power of your Holy Spirit to begin to mortify, to kill the deeds of their flesh. God, even now, thinking about myself, I just ask that you would guide my thoughts and govern my words so that no flesh can glory in your presence, (laughs) so that the meditations of my heart are pleasing in your sight. Lord, please, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you speak now for all of your servants are listening. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen and amen. Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. I want you to imagine with me, if you will, the year is 1985, and the location is Madrid, Spain. And in Spain, there are so many popular sports that are happening there. Of course, you have soccer, there's even the racing and tennis and these different things. But one sport that is very popular in Spain, and and still popular to this day, it's outlawed in other countries, is this, is that of bullfighting. Yes, Lord, bullfighting. And so those of you who may not know anything much about bullfighting, just to give you the quick skinny on it, there are three stages. And really in Spain, it's seen as an art, a cultural thing. It's very beauty to to them and their culture. And so in in this bullfighting, there are three stages. And the first stage is called cape work, where they kind of dance with the bull. This is how I know I ain't meant to be no bullfighter. What are you talking about dancing with a bull? They tripping, Nigel. Ain't nobody dancing with no bull. So you'd go through this stage where you then would you do these graceful moves and you dance with the bull. And then the second stage is where these picadors come out and they have these long shafts, these spears, and they then begin to try to spear the bull in the muscle of his neck so that he can lower his neck and it kind of disables him some. And then the third and final stage is where either the bullfighter kills that bull or the bull kills him. And so in 1985, on August 30th, a young man by the name of Jose Cabrero Sanchez, or his name in his town was Elillo. And now living in Miami, I know there's so many different dialects. I don't know what the root of Elillo is, so pray. I don't know what that is. But this young man, 
uh, uh, Jose Cabrera Sanchez, he was the most popular bullfighter of the day, and he even won what's called the Golden Shoe Award, which is one of the highest awards uh, given to a bullfighter. This young man was superb. And so the day came on August 30th in 1985, young Jose Cabrero then steps into the bull ring and the crowd is going wild. They are excited to see what is about to happen and what is about to take place here. And so the first stage happens and you see my man, my boy got skills, you see, and he does, he goes through in the first stage where he does the cape work. And then the second stage comes and takes place where these, the picadors come out and they now have disabled this bull somewhat. And then the third and final stage is taking place. And you can imagine the crowd is intensely watching as their hero, their young hero, Jose Cabrero Sanchez is now staring down at this bull and this bull is staring at him and he's rearing up and he's rearing up. And then the bull charges young Jose. And so of course the crowd is intensely watching And as the bull gets closer and closer, young Jose quickly makes his move and stabs the deer, the the bull. And the bull then stumbles a little bit and then falls over, to which then young Jose turns his back on the bull to then cheer with the crowd. And the crowd is going wild, and they are celebrating. But then their celebration turns to instant panic because to the crowd's surprise and young Jose's surprise, the bull had gotten up and charged young Jose and threw him in the air. And when this young man hit the ground with one horn, the bull charged him and speared him under his armpit, splitting his heart in half, killing him instantly. It's a very dramatic picture, but can I tell you, this is exactly what the scriptures are getting across to us. We must be killing our flesh or it will kill us. Amen? Amen. And so uh, this ain't, that's why I said it. It's not coming more like teaching and preaching. It's just a punch to the face. God bless. (laughs) We cannot make the critical mistake of not killing our flesh in our day-to-day lives. Amen? And so this is what I want to get across to all of us in here. And do not forget this picture. And look at that. Yeah, young Jose, still till this day, you can go see this. But here's what I want to get across to all of our minds. Here's the big idea, is that God wants us, God wants you and I to kill the power of the flesh within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the church say amen to that. Amen. So now that I have all of your attention, you're wondering in here, okay, brother, you have scared me, or Lord Jesus, what happened? How do I do this? How do I then put my flesh to death? Good question. Glad you asked. Here's the first thing that you need to know and understand. Write this down then as point number one, is that we owe God everything. Let the church say amen to that. And I know some of you guys have the fill-in notes. I turned in my notes earlier. I know Nancy, she takes physical notes. Uh, those, that one I, I said, uh, our deliverance makes us debtors. I was in a preacher mode when I guess I made that first half of the note. But y'all won't see it on there. But anyways, here's where I'm getting this from. We owe God everything. Look at verse 12. He says, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. 
You have to first, uh, uh, looking down at this verse again, you recognize that first part in there where he says, so then. Where is he picking this up from? Where is this coming from? If y'all were here last week and you heard from my dog, Pastor Carlos, that man, he get hype all the time. That's my boy, right? But Pastor Carlos, he talked about it. And if you saw what he talked about last week in verse 11, here's why I love this. He talked about the scriptures say, the very same spirit, church, that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that is now living in you and I. Let the church say amen. Amen. Shout out hallelujah. Glory to that. That is great, great news. This is why he says, so then brothers, in the Greek there, Adelphi, meaning you have the same father, meaning you must be born again. And this will make sense when we get to verse 13, part B. But he says, so then brothers, we are debtors. Because the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. God did all the work the moment that you believe in Jesus Christ. He gave you every single thing that you need for life and godliness, the scriptures tell us. And so this is not a new concept with the scriptures. He even talked about this before. Everybody very quickly look at Romans chapter 6. And we'll start in, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 19. Not a new concept. Listen, as Paul's speaking here, he goes, or do you not know, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You see, he says, man, you were bought with a price because of the work of Jesus. You're not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body. When I was a youth pastor, all the time I tell the students, man, if you are born again, you gave your life to Jesus, and he lives on the inside of you, and now you got a little boyfriend, little girlfriend, with all your hormones running through your body. I just need you to remember, when y'all hanging out, if you born again, The Spirit of God lives inside of you. Glorify God in your body. You tracking with me, right? You tell it to the students all the time. You got to glorify God in your body because he's given you all that you need. He's given you everything. You have to understand God is the one then who gives us his Holy Spirit, and he's the one then that changes within us. Just imagine, if you will, uh, all of our sins. Here's another thing just to draw this picture uh, deeper. All of our sins, you can put this up on the screen. Whatever they may be, whether it's uh, dissensions, idolatry, sexual immorality, all of our sins, no matter what, drive us further and further and further and further into debt, and it's a bill you have to pay. You got to keep paying this back all the time. Further and further and further into debt, and that's all that's happening every single time you sow to your flesh, every time you sow to your sinful nature, every time you sow to what is opposite of God. That's what happens to you, and this is the beauty. This is why it says we owe God everything. This is why our deliverance makes us debtors, is because when you trust Jesus Christ with your life, your bill is 100% paid in full by the Father because of the work of Jesus on the cross. So now using this picture, because I I like it, it's really that we have an obligation now to live for God, because I don't want anyone walking out of here going like, oh boy, all right, I got to muster this up. I'm going to fight my flesh. (laughs) No, Jesus. No, that's not. Here's the picture. It's because God came into our life and he paid our debt in full. There is nothing you can do to pay him back. 
There's nothing you can do to pay him back. It changes in how you will live. And here's what I mean. Just imagine somebody walked up to you right now, especially in this day and age, uh, when bananas are like $100 at the grocery store. Like, Lord, what happened here, right? (laughs) Imagine somebody walked up to you and they go, hey, listen, brother. Listen, sister, uh, from this day on, for the rest of your life, I'm paying for any and everything you need. You want a new house? I got you. New cars? Your kids need cars? I got you. Hey, uh, you want to take family vacations? I got Whatever it is, I am paying for you and your family until you die. Is there any way you would be able to pay that person back? No. But when this person shows up and they're around you, would you act a little differently around them? Yeah, 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 yeah. They cough a little bit. Uh, my throat dry. you like, oh, you need to cough? Yeah, I got you. I cough drops, water. You treat them different. There's an obligation on how you're treating them. You see that? Now, there's no way you'll be able to repay them. But because of what they've done, yeah, you're going to honor them when they're around. And it's the same thing with God. That's what makes us a debtor. That's what's saying that we owe God everything. He did all the work. He gave you his Holy Spirit. He gave you the word. And he gives you a community. He did all the work. Amen? You can let the church say amen to that. I love that. So then you have to understand that. You have to understand that is that we are debtors. And then, now going back to our verse, write this down, then it's point number two. Yes, we owe God everything. And this one, really, I feel like I wrote this for, like, my students and young adults in the room. I don't know why I'm taking so many jabs at y'all, but you'll be fine. God bless you. But uh, write this down, point number two is that living in the flesh guarantees failure. Living according to your sinful nature and letting it rule and run your life guarantees failure. Everybody look back down again at our verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, part A. He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And literally right here, what he's saying in the Greek there is he says, when you live, this is in the uh, indicative active tense. This is literally the picture that it's you are constantly, continually, consistently living according to your flesh. Y'all tracking with me? So it's not like, because I know sometimes you're like, some little kids are like, oh no, I got mad at my mama this morning. I'm finna die. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> when you are constantly, continually, and consistently living a lifestyle that is guided by your flesh, he says, then you will die. And in the Greek, there's actually three words for the word uh, uh, dying here. And uh, uh, one is tr- always translated dead. The other one is always translated death. And then this one here is translated as in you will die. You're dying. You're on your way. And you must die, you see? And so what he's saying then is when you are constantly, continually, and consistently living according to your flesh, my brother, the only thing guaranteed you is death. And so now hearing this, you may be wondering to yourself, well, Lord, I ain't trying to do that. What are the works of the flesh? What are the deeds of the flesh? Good question. Glad you asked. Everybody very quickly go to second, uh, excuse me, Galatians, Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five. And we're going to start again in verse 19, Galatians five. Oh, Lord, I'm lost in my Bible now. There we go. That one's always, it's such a small little book. It just gets me every time, you know? God bless. That's the one. I prayed to. I was like, Jesus, help me get there quickly. He worked it out. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. Listen to this. He goes, now, the works of the flesh are evident. Here are the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality. Impurity. And this is like dirty, nasty, like dirty stuff. I think about right now, I live downtown. And even this this morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, 
Uh, this guy came running around the corner with a girl who was half-dressed on his back, another friend half-dressed. He's like, hey, what's up, bro? Dirty nasty. See what I'm saying? Impurity. Impurity. And then he goes on and he says, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. We live in Miami. God bless. I live downtown. I ain't never seen so many chickens in my life. I'm like, yo, they got a KFC around here? What's going on? No. No. No, Jesus. No. That's a work of the flesh. Enmity, strife, jealousy. Jealousy is a work of the flesh. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a guaranteed failure. Now, before anybody runs up here to try to karate chop me, like, what you saying? Hold up, hold up. What about my baby? You know. I need you to know very clear right here now, the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, your debt is paid and you instantly inherit the kingdom of God. Let the church say amen to that. That's the beautiful thing for you and I. You instantly inherit the kingdom of God. But you got to know these works of the flesh, right? And so now we understand the works of the flesh and we got to take this on a little step further because... This ain't no Flip Wilson or The Conjuring, the devil made me do it. No, no, the devil didn't make you do it. Y'all know where I'm headed. I know Nigel Crew know where I'm going. Everybody look at James. Everybody look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Yes, Lord, yep, we going there. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Here's a catcher. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Amen. His own desire. Ay, ay, ay. Let's get this other verse here. <laughs> then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It's your own desire. God is not the one tempting. It's the picture of like maybe Satan has the carrot and then you go for it, right? You ever think of, y'all remember that old school Geico commercial with the old guy with the dollar? Oh, you almost had it. You remember that? <laughs> that's how he yeah, coming at you. Oh, you almost had it, right? And so that's how he could come at us in our, in our, in our, in our flesh. And so... Here's the picture now. I really want to help us hammer this home that it's not the devil made me do it. It's us and in our flesh. I want to draw this with the picture of a famous duke in the 14th century by the name of Reynald III. Now, this photo does not do him any justice because Reynald III was the most popular man in the land. But not only was he the most popular man in the land, he was the heaviest man in the land. My 600-pound life had nothing on this guy. And so Reynald III, uh, he had a younger brother by the name of Edward, and Edward led in a revolt against his older brother and captured him. And instead of killing his brother and taking all of his properties and everything, he built a prison around his older brother and a prison cell with open windows, with no bars, and a door that most people could freely walk through with no lock. God bless. And could you imagine? <laughs> like, no, I could not, right? 
And so there is Raynal there, and he's sitting there, and he simply told his big brother, hey, when you walk out of this prison cell, all of your stuff is back to you, your properties, your money, everything, no problem. All Raynal has to do is shed a few pounds, walk freely out of the door. Y'all get me? But Edward, knowing his older brother, every single day, sent the finest of delicacies into Reynolds' room. And wouldn't you know it? Ten years later, Reynolds III died in that prison cell because he could not discipline his own desire. He was enticed and drawn by his own desire, and it led him to die in a prison with a window, with, no, with, with a prison with no bars and no locks. And it's a crazy and wild picture, but that's often what you and I can do when we continue to give into our flesh. Y'all tracking with me? And so I need us to know, it's not know the devil that made you do it. It's your own desire, your own lust, your own flesh. And we're going to talk about how we can be aware of these things and how we can fight these things. It makes me think about, there's a, uh, there's a preacher uh, by the name of uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. <laughs> Spurgeon one time, he said this. He said, I have concentrated all of my prayers down into one simple prayer, and it is this, that I may die to self and live completely to him. Amen? And that's the truth. That's what we need to have in our life. We need to die to self so that we can live for him. Because young, like, like young Jose, we know <laughs> the flesh is powerful and only wants to kill. And so you have to die to self to then live for him. Well, don't worry, we're getting to point number three. I can see it. Y'all are like, Lord Jesus, let me breathe, brother. <laughs> well, now write this down then as point number three, and this is plain and simple, is that by the Holy Spirit, our sin is slayed. Let the church say amen. Amen, amen to that. I love it. It's by the Spirit of God that our sin is slayed. Everybody look again at our uh, uh, verse here in uh, Romans 8, verse 13. He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It is what it is. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The big portion there is that conjunction is but if. But if. But if by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you will live. Only if by the power of the Holy Spirit. Meaning the Holy Spirit needs to take up residence within you. I think about a lot of time I talk with my neighbors and, uh, you know, we, we talk with them all the time. And a lot of these people aren't uh, church people. They don't know Jesus like that. And they'll be talking to me. Hey, man, I got this side thing. You know, I'm married, but I do this on the side. I'm trying to change. I'm looking at this stuff on the computer. And I tell them, like, hey, brother, we can do behavior modification. But until you give your life to Jesus Christ, there is no way you're going to mortify the deeds of your flesh. There's no way you're going to mortify the deeds of your flesh. I want to uh, talk about this guy really quickly, uh, uh, read this quote really quick, uh, by a famous Puritan by the name of John Owen. I love good Puritan paperbacks. Now, this guy, John Owen, he wrote a book called The Mortification of Sin, and it's actually based on Romans chapter 8, verse 13, and the original book is seven, almost 700 pages long. Yes, you can meditate on one verse for a long time in Jesus' name, okay? Now, you can tell I got the abridged version because your boy a little slow. 
But here's what I love. Here's what he said here. John Owen had this to say, and this is talking about that it's only by power of Holy Spirit. He said this, the Holy Spirit is our only sufficiency for the work of mortification, for the work of killing our flesh. And he says, all ways and means apart from him have no effect. They have no effect. It's just behavior modification. Only the Holy Spirit power inside of you is going to help you die to flesh daily. And then he says this, he only is the great power behind it. And he works and wills in us as he pleases. And I love that. It's the truth. You have to have the Holy Spirit in you. Amen? Amen. And now when the Holy Spirit's within you, uh, now there's a portion you have to do. Y'all remember that verse in Philippians where he says, uh, uh, um, walk out your salvation in fear and trembling. And then he goes, but no, it is God working in you. This is that whole vibe right now. Y'all tracking? You have to have the Holy Spirit. But then he has this word here. He says, put. You put to death the deeds of the flesh. And there goes that active, indicative tense again, which means you have to constantly, consistently, daily put to death the deeds of your flesh. Amen? It's a constant, continual, consistent, daily thing. And so I want to help us with this. Uh, You may be asking yourself the question, well, how do I hone the power of the Holy Spirit in you? How do you hone the Holy Spirit's power? Then you write this down as letter A. You see that? How do you hone that Holy Spirit power? How do you sharpen the Holy Spirit power? And you very simply do this by staying focused. You do this by staying focused. First, you have to understand, to get the Holy Spirit in your life is so very simple. It's that you acknowledge that you are a sinner before God. You confess your sin before God, and and then you repent of your ways and go, Father, I trust you. I'm following you. And right there in that moment, the Holy Spirit then takes up resident within you. Yes. So now you are charged up for the game. Y'all tracking with me? So now you have the Holy Spirit power within you, and so now you're asking the question, okay, brother, how then do I hone the power of the Holy Spirit within me? You have to stay focused, and the way you stay focused is through the Word of God. I want everyone to look at this very quickly. Found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We can start in verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 2. This is how you stay focused. Very simply, he says, now, I beg of you that when I'm present... I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing on some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. So this is a preacher going, hey, guys, when I show up, I want to be nice to y'all because I'm about to get real gangster with these people who are accusing us of being fleshly. Y'all track it with me? That was back then in the first century. This stuff happens now, right? He's going, hey, 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 I want to come there and be nice because I'm about to, ooh, these people about to get that work. But now listen to this in verse 3. He says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. This line right here, everybody underline it, circle it, highlight it in your Bible. You heard it, but have divine power, divine power to destroy strongholds. It has a divine, yes, you can praise God for that. It has a divine power to destroy strongholds. This is, do you see why we say you have to be born again? So then he says in here, he says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish disobedience when obedience is complete. But do you notice here, he says, he then goes, hey, we're not waging war according to the flesh. And then he begins to talk about the mind. He begins to talk about the power of the mind. 
He said we destroy arguments and opinions raised against the knowledge of God, showing that our minds, that's why you ever notice the Bible cover to cover is all about meditating on the word, renewing your mind, changing your mind. It starts here in your mind. You cannot do something until you first think about it. Right? You ever had it? You're sitting on the couch, chilling. Man, you think to yourself, I'm hungry. Then you get up and go get food. Are you tracking with me? So yes, yes, it starts in your mind, your mind. You have to be meditating on the word of God and let it wash over you and renew your mind. There was a psychologist who did a, uh, a study to talk about how powerful the mind is, but how focused it gets in on one topic. And, uh, and what he did was um, he had the people, he told everyone, count out loud to 10. So everybody, count out loud to 10. And as they were counting, in the middle of the counting, he shouted and said, now say your name. And then he said, who? was still counting when you said your name. And everyone's like, oh, no, I, I was not doing it. And he was going to show. Do you see how, like, your minds are powerful, but it can only focus in on one thing. And so here's the reality. When that temptation is coming at you and battling you in your mind, you have to then focus in on the word of God. Are you tracking with me? And that will help you to, de- to, to destroy these strongholds. You track it? And so I want to help us with this. I got to move really quickly. And it's, this is very simple, is that we need to stay Focus. You got to stay focused. Yes, renew your mind. Stay in the word. My mentor, uh, and I still talk to him till this day, that's how he hit me when I first got saved all the time because I was a wild boy before I came to know Jesus. And so he'd always tell me, stay focused, young man. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. Renew your mind in the word of God. Stay focused. And so how do you do this? How do you stay focused? You can put this up on the screen here. How do you stay focused? You got to watch. You got to pray. You then you have to obey. Matter of fact, everybody right now across all of our campuses, say it with me. Say Watch. Say pray Pray. and obey. Obey. Try it one more time. Say watch, Watch. pray, Pray. and obey. And a third time so it sticks. Say watch, Watch. pray, Pray. and obey. Obey. And obey. Here, I want to help us with what we mean by this. The first one, when you're staying focused, you need to watch. Everybody write this down. You can go look it up later. This is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, be alert. Your enemy roars around like a prowling lion seeking someone to devour. You have to be alert then of Satan's schemes. We are not ignorant of his schemes. And then also you can write this one down as well, this watchfulness and this alertness. When you have the word of God in your mind and you're alert. This is found in Romans 13 verse 14 where he says, make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for your flesh to succeed. Don't give your flesh anything to feed on. It would be the picture of, uh, let's say, there was a big war that was going to happen. I don't know, like a North and South war. And the team from the South went to the team in the North, and they were like, hey, listen, man, here's some food. We're going to cook you guys a really great meal. If you guys are low on resources, there's water right here. Here's a couple of swords for you guys. And then tomorrow morning when we go to battle, the best place to attack us and kill us all is right over there in that area. You got me? All right, God bless you, brother. (laughs) That looks foolish, doesn't it? But can I tell you, we do this with our flesh all the time. We make a provision for it. We give it something to feed on. Here's what I mean. These bad boys are powerful, aren't they? Let's say now you're, uh, you, you go on TikTok or YouTube or something like that to learn some cooking things. I've been doing this lately. My wife is the cook in the house. And with the baby, you know, <laughs> she can't be sustained on, on Taco Bell alone in Jesus' name. So I got to learn some cooking. So you get on the phone, and you're just there to just get to the cooking stuff. And then before you know it, you're scrolling through, you're scrolling through, just looking for cooking ingredients. And out of nowhere, there's someone like, my milkshake. And you're like, oh, Lord. 
You got to throw the phone. Don't try to get with me. You can't make a provision for your flesh. You can't make a provision. You have to watch. You have to be alert. One thing my, my mentor used to always say, he said, man, if Satan knows that you like a corned beef sandwich on raw bread with a touch of mustard and two pickles, why on earth would he attack you with a bologna sandwich on white bread? That ain't your thing. No, no, no. You have to be alert then on what your thing is. Y'all track it with me? You have to be alert. One thing he also said to me, and I use it still all the time till this day. He said, man, if you're going into the grocery store and uh, you got to get milk for your wife, you know, everything's on aisle two. The milk's on aisle two. He said, you get down to aisle two and you know what I'm saying. You know, she fine on aisle two. Or he fine on aisle two, ladies. Right. He said, well, you got to watch, you got to be alert. You got to go all the way down to aisle nine. You might have to make your way to aisle 15 if you need to, or leave the store, right? You got to watch. You got to be vigilant. You got to be alert. You have to be aware of these things. Y'all tracking with me? So that's what that is. Is first is, yes, you need to watch. You need to be vigilant for it. Have the word of God in your mind, and then be alert. Oh, no, nah, no. Nah. You walking in the store. Hey, uh, I'm about to go to aisle two, get some milk. No, Jesus. That's being alert. And then here's the second thing. You got to watch. But then you need to pray. pray. Now that you're alert, talk to the Father. Lord Jesus, I need some help right now. I'm struggling my flesh. Help me. And even the scriptures, we're going to talk about it later on. Later in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that even when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit then will intercede for you. How y'all have that? You know, you'd be like, Lord, you uh, 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 shut down. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. You tracking with me? He's got you. The Holy Spirit, that's the way you then communicate with the Father. And by power of the Holy Spirit, he's even communicating for you on your behalf to help you make it through that trial and that situation. Y'all, y'all tracking? Yes, so yes, yes, yes. You need to watch. You need to pray. And then lastly, you've got to obey. You have got to obey. You have got to obey. I, oh, I totally forgot. Y'all write the scripture down for prayer. I totally forgot to say it. Matthew 26, verse 41. That's a great one where he says, watch and pray that you may not fall into a temptation. And then here's the last one that you have to obey. This is found in 1 Samuel chapter 15, where he says, oh, uh, he says obedience is better than sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you're sacrificing, but obey. The Spirit of God calls you and I to obey. And you know, there was a rule in our household. Uh, we grew up uh, in my house. My mom, her name is Lori Antoinette Williams, uh, which spells the law, you know. And so all the time, me and my brothers, we'd be like, you're not above the law, bro. The law said do the dishes. It's over, right? And my dad, Doc, I know you watching right now. It's my boy, right? My parents, they had the rule in the house to delay is to disobey. We don't play that. So when you play in a video game or something like that, and mom said, hey, can y'all do the dishes? There was no like, come on, mom, one more round. Like if you like one more, a shoe was coming in the room and death was instantly happening. Or she call you, boys, I'm on my way home. Meet me downstairs to get the groceries. This was not the garage door opened up and you're running downstairs. Nah, you outside sweating like these. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, what you need? Yeah, 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 yeah. To delay is to disobey. All the parents are so joyful right now. <laughs> like, oh, I'm chilling today, boy. <laughs> But you have to then obey. That's even like the whole picture of, because when you, uh, like the picture of going in the grocery store, when you're walking and you're in aisle two and you see her and you know what the word of God is and you pray, now obey, go to aisle nine. Yeah. That keeps you out of trouble because it's that serious. Yeah. 
We cannot play with our flesh. We cannot play with sin. We must then obey the word of God. Amen? Amen. Yes. So let the word run in your mind. Let the word rule your heart. And so, yes, you have to stay focused. And how do you stay focused? You have to watch. You have to pray. You have to obey. And then here's the last one I'm going to add on. And I'm sorry, it's a little ghetto, but it works out. You got to watch. You got to pray. You have to obey. And then lastly, you got to live in community. Uh, <laughs> you got to live in community, man. Give it up for our small groups. And John and Nancy, small group leaders, man, they were faithful, faithful. I love this. Our small groups here, here's what I love about small groups is because it's a place where a group of people are watching, praying, obeying, and living in community, and they're being honest with each other. Can I tell you, here's the basics of every single small group. Here's the basis. And you got to find your own group. You got to find your vibe. And don't give up till you find one. But here's the reality. Every single group has this. The word of God, the sword of the spirit, the word of God working and wheeling within you. You have the word of God and you have real people in there with real problems. And that's what you need. You need to be in a place where you can go, brother, sister, pray for me. I need some prayer right now. Right? You go to your small group, and you're like, hey, man, I just need y'all to pray for my kids. I'm not sure they're going to make it. Oh, no, what happened? You know, well, I mean, they, they didn't clean up their room again, and I might kill them. I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need some help. So you need to have that small group, that community. I think about right now, for myself, I have a small group and a community of brothers that I've been with since I, when I first got saved. And we look like the United Nations everywhere we go. One guy is African, straight up African, but he's from L.A., so he's got L.A. culture. And then the other guy, he is straight up Korean, and this guy's from the Bay Area, this dude. And he looks like, uh, his, he's got Bay Area, like, attitude, so he's like, just imagine Tupac is Korean, you know. And, and then my other close friend, he's uh, Mexican from Mexico City, and he, you know, he's full, like, suavemente, like, he's he, that guy, he's that guy. But can I tell you, we have a community, there's a group where we can tell each other, man, brother, I need prayer. Man, hey, bro, I had to go to aisle 37 today. Amen. You tracking with me? You need to have that group. You need to have that community. <laughs> and so, family, I encourage you. How do you stay focused? Watch, pray, obey, and then live in community. I want to close simply with this story. I want to close with this story. And it's of, of a young man who went through this exact thing, was at one point in time living and ruled and dominated by his flesh until the Spirit of God broke into his life, where he then began to kill his flesh daily. And it was uh, a time, really, that almost shook the very foundations of our country. It was in 1972, the famous Watergate scandal. And one of these young men, who was the first to be indicted, a part of the Watergate 7, uh, was a young man by the name of Chuck Colson. And Chuck Colson, uh, I mean, this guy, he would lie, cheat, steal, whatever he needed to do to keep the president in office. He even is quoted of saying that he would run over his own grandmother to get the president reelected. And it's like, bro, leave Abuelita out of this. Come on. But when the Watergate happened, a man gave him a book called Mere Christianity, and there he read about his pride, and there God broke him. And the Spirit of God moved inside of him. And in that moment in time, he began to kill off the deeds of the flesh. But one of the things was he felt like, man, I owe God. I kind of owe society. I'm going to go to prison. And he ended up spending three months or six months, whatever it was, in, in prison. But here was the beauty of it is the moment that Chuck Colson got saved, he found out all these other politicians who were believers. 
And they were like, hey, Chuck, we're praying for you. We're praying for you, brother. One guy even went as far, I believe his name is Harold Hughes. Some of y'all may know him. Harold Hughes went as far as to say, we found a law where one of us can take your place. You have little kids. We'll go into prison for you. And Chuck was like, no, 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 man, I'm going to go. But he had this community going into prison. And because he knew it and understood it, when he went into prison then, he began to preach the gospel and start small groups in prison. And here's what I love. Yes, Lord, here's what I love. He started small groups, and now these small groups is worldwide, and it's still functioning till this day in a thing called prison fellowship. And it was all started by this guy, Chuck Colson, someone who was dominated by their flesh. And then the Spirit of God broke in, and then they began to kill off the deeds of their flesh and live for God. And he lives in community. And I love it. Even in prison, in prison fellowship, they have built these strong communities of brothers going, man, help me out, you know. And so that's what we need to have in our lives, church family, amen? We need to have that strong sense where the Holy Spirit's within us. And so here's what I need you to know. Man, we owe God everything. We do. He worked for us. And living to the flesh, young people and my elder saints, living in the flesh guarantees failure. We know this. But then lastly, you have to understand by the power of the Holy Spirit is how you kill off the deeds of the flesh. Amen? Amen. And so I want to end again with a simple question. Are you killing it? Are you putting to death the deeds of the flesh daily in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, I pray that through this sermon today, you are encouraged to continue to fight the good fight. Amen? Amen and amen. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we're thankful that we can go into your word and we're thankful for your Holy Spirit who helps us kill off the deeds of the flesh. With every head bowed and every eye closed in here, maybe you heard this message across all of our campuses. Maybe you're listening in your car right now or listening at work right now or something and you're hearing this and you know that you do not have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. You are constantly a slave to your flesh. But God has sent this young chocolatey preacher to extend a hand to you, to give your life to him, and to follow him so that you can have the Spirit of God within you to daily mortify, kill your flesh. And you're going, God, I need that Holy Spirit power in my life. If that's you in here across all of our campuses and you're going, I need God to make room in my heart. Very simply, I just want you to raise your hand right where you are. Raise your hand right where you are. Beautiful, I see you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I see you. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. I see it. Beautiful. Hands down. Lord, you saw each and every hand across all of our campuses. You saw with each and every person, God. I ask now that your Holy Spirit would, man, fill them up, encourage them. Make them feel empowered. I don't know, super saiyan mode or something, Lord. Just help them to to feel the power of the Spirit within them to begin to battle off the flesh and to get in the Word daily and then to get in a strong community. Lord, we're so thankful for what you're doing. Help us all now as a people by the power of your Spirit to continue to daily die to self so that we can wholly live for you. God, we promise as a people to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. 
And all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Well, listen, God bless, God bless. I know it's a karate kick to the throat. You'll be okay in Jesus' name, right? Well, man, listen, man, uh, shout out to my dog, Pastor Mark. I love God, and I love you, Christ Fellowship.